BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan, and uh, we are in Starkville, Mississippi. And I have my friend, J.C. Long. He recently made a post on uh, social media, and it was one of the better posts that I've seen with uh, uh, the the idea that's on everyone's mind, and it's become so politicized um, to the point to where we're down to just name-calling, and there's no sense of unity, and I don't think there's any kind of sense of truth. But uh, when I first met J.C., I knew that he was... Uh, doing his own research and he was conducting his own data and I know that he's a data freak in that regard so when he showed his numbers and when I saw the comments on the post I wanted to uh, sit down and have this conversation it's a very political conversation uh, but we're not political people so we're just going to talk about it as rationally as we can without politics involved Amen and so, because it really is big, because, uh, I mean, this, and what we're talking about is COVID. Uh, there's misinformation, there's disinformation, and depending on your Google search and your narrative is what you believe. And um, I, I want to cover a lot of ground, and I'll be playing a little bit of David, devil's advocate, uh, just because I want to have as much perspective with this conversation as possible, and then we'll... We'll move on into some funner topics as we go, but let's let's handle the big fish. All right. So, uh, I mean, we've been five hundred plus days now. Yeah. Uh, in this COVID, uh, almost a year and a half, and uh, we're seeing a spike like we did what last winter. Yeah, much worse. In fact, much worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A new variant. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, When I think of the sum total of it, and, and what I'll do is pull this data up so I can quote some of it. Uh, but, you know, you can recall a year ago in Mississippi, everything that I, that I say with respect to data is strictly limited to Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Things are a little different in other places for various reasons, but I just focus on the way it is here, you know, the conditions we have here in terms of healthcare system, population, population density, that sort of thing. Um, mixing together is a culture. That's that's a thing, you know, gatherings, cultural gatherings, uh, uh, entertainment gatherings, that kind of a, a thing, school gatherings, mm-hmm. you know. We have our own particular circumstance and, and set of outcomes here. So a year ago, 
you, you can pick this out in the data, it was the first wave. Uh, then later last year, beginning in, I think, uh, whatever it was, November sometime, mm -hmm. uh, we began seeing the numbers come back up after having gone back down from this first wave. You know, we saw the numbers of the first wave and was like, oh my gosh, is this bad? Then the second wave, and we we're like, oh my goodness, this is really bad, you know. But we're, everybody pretty much is learning, you know, looking at the numbers coming up, going down, staying the same, whatever we're kind of mm -hmm. learning here, and how they go up. You know, there were ripples in that big second wave. So there there would be gains, and then there would be a pause or some losses. Mm -hmm. And uh, the curve was kind of gentle. What, what I mean by curve is the number of daily new cases or the number of active cases or hospitalizations. You can see the accumulation thereof and any of those numbers takes into account how many people have recovered so you subtract that out mm -hmm. people who for whatever reason no longer have COVID and and grim as it sounds that's that means the dead to you people who are dead mm -hmm. you know that gives me pause just thinking that you know people are dead I can't wrap my head around how many deaths. And and we, we hear things like, oh, well, the flu kills this many people. Like, I, Well, Vietnam, need I say more, you know? Yeah. There's a wall with people's names etched into it, and they're dead. So those numbers are subtracted out. And what, we, what you're left with is a curve that shows how many increasing active cases there are or hospitalizations or so on. And that curve, it would start and stop, start and stop. Toward the peak, it got a little bit more steep. And we're tracking things like the transmission rate mm -hmm. to some degree so that we can say, okay, this thing is spreading horribly or it's slowing down or whatever and at the same time we're measuring how long does this take and that second wave I measured uh, what I would call the peak width and I measured it in, in various places uh, for various reasons some of that is mathematical some of it is uh, uh, just pure curiosity mm -hmm. but uh, it's measured in months and um, that wave, you know, it's like, okay, this is really bad. And how long is this going to last? And oh my goodness, and all this stuff. And the natural human response that hits everybody, survival instinct kicking in, that is the nature of anxiety that is there to keep us alive. The survival instinct, you know, uh, constantly present. Mm -hmm. That's the abnormal thing here. We're not used to having such anxiety for a long periods of time. And um, anyway, so all of that mixed up into one big blob, and oh my goodness. And uh, then it began to subside, and, and I saw something that I wasn't sure about at first and really hadn't considered much at first, but it really made a lot of sense uh, when when the numbers began to come down in a sustained way, so, you know, for more than a week straight, 
numbers are reducing, and not just a little bit, but a lot. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, wow. And I started to think about it. It's like, you know, if you think about this from a, from a macro perspective, from the large zoomed out, just look at this as an entire population. If the virus runs out of fuel or people to infect, opportunities to infect, then its transmission is disabled in an exponential way at first and then more gradually. But you can't stop that. You can't give it more fuel. There's nothing you can do or I can do or anybody or society as a whole can do to provide it more fuel when there's no more opportunities you know for it to infect people for this variety of different reasons it's not just oh, all these people have been infected there are other reasons that drive that but the sum total of all those reasons is as you can't stop it from plummeting and it stands to reason that when it gains momentum and is spreading and infecting new people you can't stop it. There's nothing you or I can do to stop a hurricane. Right. There's nothing that you or I or society as a whole can do to stop a pandemic once it gains enough momentum. Uh, now, ideally, there is something we can do, but it's not practical, and it'll never happen, and that is to isolate. Because if you're completely isolated one from the other, you completely remove the opportunity for people to get infected so that ain't gonna happen we know that no so um, we looked at the data for this last huge wave and my thought on it my hope on it was like oh, I hope that was hope that was it because you compare it to past pandemics and even though there's not a really consistent you know reliable pattern in the past pandemics there are quite a few of them that have a large second wave followed by a smaller subsequent wave and then that's that's it mm -hmm. for the most part i was hoping that would happen but that did not happen here it's not yeah it's definitely not true here yeah and and just for everyone here jc has been on the show twice and like uh if you're unfamiliar with my background is uh, we're both educated. Um, neither one of us are virologists or epidemiologists. Right. But we both have a brain, and we're both capable of critical thinking. That's right. And so my background is like, um, it's an intercultural studies degree, which is a background of biblical studies with sociology. And I'm, on, I'm also trained in industrial electronics and electrical engineering, right? Yeah, you. yeah. And I've... Uh, I've known JC for almost a year, mm -hmm. and um, just from following his art and uh, being well aware of what he does, uh, he's very careful because he has to of his work. And like when he put this post out, and he put this graph out, uh, the number one thing that he stated was, this is not me being political, and if you know me, you know that I'm not. It's, I'm just pre presenting information. Right. I wanted to be clear about that, you know. Um, that the reason that I uh, put out data 
is just to provide for anyone who needed, you know, some extra decision-making tools to provide that, you know, and, and to, it, it serves as its own warning, you know, really the time for a warning is, is before things get bad. But in this case, the case of the pandemic, the case of society, the case of culture, the case where people have needs, social needs, mm-hmm. it's very difficult for people to react quickly in, in this type of a thing. So um, I, I did not share any of this information uh, for a long time, in fact, since the onset of the pandemic. I knew you had been doing it for six months. Yeah. At least. <laughs> well... Because, I mean, like, the, the, after our first time together here on the podcast, like, you sent me the information oh, right. yeah. and the sources that you were using to gather. Yeah. Yeah, I collect that. And, and I made sure to, to, to qualify where I'm getting this data, and that's from the Mississippi Department of Health website. Uh, so uh, you can get – anybody can go and, and look, and they have some plots mm-hmm. that you can look through. There are quite a few plots. Uh, they didn't have all of the plots that I wanted to see. So I grabbed the same data, and uh, to the degree that it is possible, I pull together, just do a little math, and now I have a plot for what I want to see. For example, the positivity rate for a long time, that was not a plot that they provided. And in fact, that was not, uh, they didn't provide the required data to calculate the positivity rate. Mm -hmm. But then they began publishing the the numbers, in particular, how many tests were given. All you need is that versus uh, how many positive test results there were. Then you have the positivity rate. And uh, I wanted to see that and track it. And uh, you ought to see that one uh, right up next to the active cases. And you're like, oh, my God. It, it's also got a breakneck change in it. I mean, it just shoots up. It's, it's marvelous. This is like, something. Not in a good way, but in a, yeah. a, like a jaw-dropping way. And this is something that I wish that we would do, and I, and I believe for the most part, like, politics aside, is, like, this past weekend, there was um, a thing called Secret Stages happened in Birmingham. It got canceled in 2020 for obvious reasons, and they had it this year. I really wanted to go, but didn't. A festival? Yes. Ah, yeah. Music. And a lot of great artists, a lot of great artists who have been on this podcast and I was really excited about going and seeing them live but I did not go and uh, you can't see this but uh, JC is pulling up uh, the data on his screen and you can you can look him up on uh, social media and you can see the information and how he plotted this out but the reason that I didn't go and I was in Birmingham that day I was podcasting when I got finished, I could have went. Mm-hmm. But I didn't go because I wanted to be careful. Yeah. I find nothing wrong with that. I find nothing wrong. Some people, it's like, a different opinion. But. Yeah, sure. But I knew I would be exposed to a high amount of crowd of people who right. were on alcohol. Yeah. And not who being... may or not have felt good that day and just wanted to get out. That's right. And with that, no thank you. There you go. And then after that, I also had scheduled another podcast in Tuscaloosa at Druid City Brewing, which dropped today with 89 vote. 
And if I knew if I went to secret stages, I'd get sidetracked and I wouldn't make it to Tuscaloosa. Yeah. And I know how Bo Hicks and the people of Druid City, uh, they were very careful throughout the pandemic. And they, uh, I'm very careful about where I hang out. Yeah. And who I'm around. Right. And when I'm going out to do podcasts like this, um, I get fr- free COVID checks. Um, that's part of the job and all that. It's like, I, if I need to go get tested, I can. Right. <laughs> so I take advantage of that. Yeah. So if I know I'm going to interview, I'll go get a fast check and mm-hmm. be like, okay, we're safe. Mm-hmm. If you're safe, I'm safe. We know this. Right. And so, um, so whenever I go out or for a year and a half now, I mean, that's basically where we're at. Yeah. Is I keep hand sanitizer on deck as you do. Right. I, I got a new name for, for this. I'll, I'll share it later. Yeah. And <laughs> like, if I pull up somewhere and I like, if there's like a lot of people, I was like, maybe not. Yeah. And it's even resorted to like, man, I've, I order my clothes online now. I don't go to the stores to get them. And um, I mean, it's, it's a complete lifestyle change for me, and it's not that hard to do because technology lends itself to it. Right. So, um, you know, you know, it's just asking people to be more mindful. Yeah, and that's a hard thing uh, when you when you when you look at society as a whole, and I don't mean all of America even. I mean just like, you know, when I think about my circle of people, mm-hmm. there's great diversity already and and there certainly is diversity of opinion and i have to make sure that i respect that even though uh it it presents me with a great big conflict huge conflict you know mm-hmm. to the, to the degree where i'm i'm asking myself like okay uh how many crazy things have i done in my life I go back through history and and look at mm-hmm. The, the litany of crazy things I've done in my life, you know. Uh, how does this compare, you know? It, is this the craziest thing I've ever done, you know? Because when you take the very simple things that you just mentioned, uh, there is the possibility of life and death. That's right. And maybe not for me. You know, I'm, exactly. I'm 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Now, um, my father, who there you go. I come in contact with You don't every have to day, go very far. He's vaccinated. And this is the advice that I would give to anyone listening. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a virologist or epidemiologist. If you have a doctor and understand them, some people do not because they can't afford it or they don't have health insurance, the number one thing I would tell you to do if you have a doctor, they know your health and ask them if you should get it. Exactly. When, my, when the vaccine became available, my dad asked me because he knows I keep up with everything. I'm a freak, you know, <laughs> with what's going on in the world and he's like the vaccine's available should i get it and i was like call your doctor set up an appointment you're overweight yes because obesity is a big part of covid mm-hmm. covid does not like people who are overweight yeah and i if your doctor says yes yes you should yeah consult your doctor yeah there, there's the the counter arc well i want to mention uh I think that is exactly right. The doctor is the person to ask, you know. Specifically yours, because he knows you. Exactly. He knows your health. 100%. 
Same with my mother. My mother uh, just two weeks ago got her uh, got her first shot of Pfizer, and she called me the day that she was going. Once again, because she knows I keep up with everything, she said, "Hey, I'm scheduled to go get my shot." I was like, "Okay, where?" I think Walgreens. I was like, "Okay, have you consulted your doctor?" I haven't. Cancel that because she's got some health problems going on right now. I was like, "You need to make all those health problems well aware of your doctor." And he already was, and I was like, talk to him. Because maybe, because once again, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not one to give you advice, because I do not know. Yeah. But I was like, you're on a lot of uh, heart medication. And I was like, if you're doing Pfizer, the J&J does have some cases where there's heart palpitations with the vaccine. And I'm not trying to scare anybody who got J&J. It's just you can look at that, and it's rare. But it does happen. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, it would be very wise to consult your doctor before going through with this. Right. Yeah, you know, there, there's uh, my uncle who has a blood condition who consulted with his doctor, and his doctor said, we better not, we better not test those waters because there may well be a reaction. Mm-hmm. And uh, so f- to me, it's, it's very clear some people should not get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. They need to take other measures of protecting themselves and those around them, and uh, that's all well and good. There, there's the other modes of being unable to get the vaccine that are driven by fear, and uh, I, I can personally understand that. You know, I don't, I don't like the 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 look of it any more than anybody else. You right. know, this is a, a a vaccine that has not been tested to the standards of other modern vaccines. Uh, but you can't stop there in in your examination of is this a, a real, you know, risk? Mm-hmm. Because there's more information. There's the fact that mRNA vaccines have been studied for many for decades. They haven't been used in a widespread fashion like like right now. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of research that's been done. There's a, uh, I, I heard uh, once again on your follow-up post uh, to the, the original one that you created with this, and uh, Joe McGowan chimed in mm-hmm. to one of the guys, and he basically cited the exact same thing. My friend Emily Liner, who owns a bookstore in downtown Columbus, and she shared a book, I can't think of the name of it right now, that she read. It's about 500 pages, and... We have been, like, the SARS-2 and COVID, um, this is something that science has been researching for almost 60 years now. Mm -hmm. And mRNA, like, even though it's just being introduced, and yes, Project Warp Speed and all that, and some people, it's too rushed, it's not FDA-approved, and all this skepticism is, this is brand new, I'm not doing this, it's like, Dude, it really isn't if you look at the science. They've been doing this stuff for six decades. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's books out on it if you want to read it. Yeah. I don't know if you'll comprehend it, but you can read it. Right. You know? There's, you know, we, we were talking a minute ago about asking the doctor, and I put a lot of stock in that because the doctor, he don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. That's right. He cares about you. She don't care if you... Uh, went to a rally she don't care if you support birth control that's right they care about your health Mm -hmm. 
That's her the job. The same is true for these people who have developed this vaccine. They didn't go to school to serve, you know, uh, any of these uh, fears that are running around society. They went to school in order to do what they're doing That's and passion. support human health and well-being. Mm-hmm. I did not go to school and learn about electronics and engineering to serve somebody else's fear. But some of the things that I do are also there to protect human life. And um, so um, it's it. when I think of it that way, it's very easy to respect, you know, the work that these people have done, uh, the services that they offer, and the doctors, you know, and uh, healthcare providers. And to put things in perspective in order to get that fear out of the way, you know, fear of the unknown, I think is really the best title that I could put on it. You know, there's there's so much talk around society about, um, well, there's, if we just look at the political talk, there's so much fear of the unknown. Because really, some of these theories that I, that I hear frequently, you can't prove any of it. Hmm. None. There's no proof. None. So It's fun to think about for some, but it's, there's no proof. That's right. And, um, uh, you know, then there, there's the fear of the unknown when it comes to things like tyranny or government invasion or government over-control. And um, I, I respect people's views on that. Uh, there, there's the basic idea of uh, self-government. You know, th- then we, uh, there's the basic idea of the colonial gun ownership, really, mm-hmm. if we want to put it that way. That in the colonial era, uh, the presence of muskets and willing defenders is uh, what got our country going. Mm-hmm. That was a defense of tyranny. So this is not the same thing, you know, not to me. So when I had to think about preserving my own health and well-being and that of the people that I come into contact with, I need to, I had to get rid of all of that noise, fear, and and focus my attention solely on the men and women who have developed this vaccine and all the effort that's gone into it. And I remembered this is free to all of the American public. And I thought to myself, I wonder what this is going to look like 20, 30 years from now, looking back and and, and seeing my goodness, so many people were, were kicking and screaming and, and, and did not get the vaccine because uh, it wasn't good enough. It was free. It was life-saving. But for Americans, it wasn't good enough, you know? I mean, it's just, it's just you know, crazy. And, and, the, and I've read so many arguments about that. Is like, and it does carry some kind of weight. It's like, if you want to make this vaccine free... Go further. What about insulin? What about cancer care? Right. Valid. Mm-hmm. But we're not talking about the same thing. That's right. This is a special, special circumstance here. And it's easy to get sidetracked. Yeah. 
it's really, really, really easy to get sidetracked. And I'll tell you, I didn't, you know, I didn't like the idea of uh, a vaccine that was not as tested as other, you know, approved medications and so on. Uh, it's scary. It truly That's is. fear of the unknown. And uh, uh, I, I feel like I used the other forms of protection uh, as far as they would go, as far as I could take them, until, uh, you know, I had no choice. Uh, th those modes of protection were not enough. Uh, in the, and that is informed by looking at this data. Mm -hmm. uh, when I see a slope of, of rising active cases and daily new cases that is so high and so uninterrupted and, and just a straight line up, my jaw hits the floor. Because what that translates into is that in any town, Mississippi, this virus is out there. You will encounter it. It will be in your place of work. It will be in your place of worship. It will be in the restaurant that you go to. So You may even invite it into your home. You may invite it into your home. And that's reality. So, uh, you know, looking at going to a concert where there's many thousands of people packed in there, regardless of the fact that it's outside. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, that looked uh, like... Uh, I have struggled, actually, to, to put adequate words on it. It looked like Clash of the Titans to me. <laughs> like, this looks like a bad idea to do that unvaccinated. So, uh, you know, there's, there's thousands of scenarios. And I hate to say it, but it, it, it includes... Uh, the education system, gathering of people, you know, mm -hmm. it's just it's sad but true. I mean, it's it it inspires so many other fears, and I understand that, but there's no way around it. It's a logical, mathematical fact, and uh, you can't argue with that. So, uh, I chose to learn more about the vaccine. I chose to focus my attention rather than put placing it on the fear and all the arguments for fear of the unknown. I listened to my sister. That's mm -hmm. another thing here. She was encouraging me and I had to, it was a, a huge fight in my mind. I'm like, Mandy, why are you not hearing what I'm telling you? Uh, but I'm glad that she did. I'm glad she was persistent. She had great confidence in the vaccine and it was her words that that helped me to get focused on the men and women in the fda in particular it's not just scientists and engineers there's there's administration there's all these people fda i'm like oh my goodness they all of them are are hard charging to get this thing out there pouring themselves into it and when my attention was locked on that for just long enough it was just long enough to stand in line and get that shot at mm -hmm. kroger mm -hmm. you know because that was the quickest place i could find it you know right i had to get it get in there right quick before i started thinking about something else and and i was kicking effectively i was kicking and screaming the whole way because it's a fight in my mind and so in order to entertain my mind to occupy it while i was sitting there waiting for 15 minutes for an allergic reaction or not you know i wrote a poem and and uh i just put the thoughts on paper you know and basically it was like my goodness i got to get on this daggum train and go wherever it's leading. And I don't have any idea where we're going. But I'm on it now and there ain't no turning back. You know, the wheel is turning and you can't slow down. That Grateful Dead song. Mm -hmm. Can't let go. You know, you can't hold on. 
all that. If the thunder don't get you, then the lightning will. It's like, all right, well, here we go now, you know. There you go. There's, there's actually, and, and even though that, that uh, definitely has an air of, of kicking and screaming to it and, and complaining and whining, there was, there was something else going on there, and that was relief. Because now I don't have to worry about it. Whatever's done is done, you know. And yes, that is, that is a special kind of circumstance there for just crazy, doing something crazy. You know, when you have a fight in your mind, you don't know, you know, both routes now seem very dangerous mm-hmm. uh, due to this fear of the unknown. Well, you got to go one way. You know, it's a special circumstance in life. We, normally, we don't encounter that. Normally, there's, there's clearly a right or wrong way or avoidance. But we don't have the luxury of avoidance in this situation. Not, not now. And ain't that crazy? You know, normally, now, there have been situations in my life where avoidance was uh, not an option, uh, but but that was my choice. You know what I mean? Ultimately, the decisions that I made left me with uh, without the option of avoiding, you know, harm or difficulty or, or all of that. But But choice was involved. In this case, choice is not involved for anybody. And I think a lot of people, including myself, have a hard time accepting that. You know, when you tell me that I, I don't have a choice to avoid harm here, that's no good, you know. That's it's it. tough. It's scary. That's just it. You know, um, I see it in uh, the Ph.D. community. There's, uh, you know, a lot of people who have Ph.D.s, they're not getting the vaccine. I don't know that reason. I see a lot of hesitancy in the black male community. Mm-hmm. I understand their hesitancy because if we look back to the 1930s with the syphilis trials. Yeah. But I I mean, everybody's getting it. Yeah. There's uh, the Christian crowd. Uh, there's hesitancy there. Mm-hmm. Um, with every group and subgroup of America... Not all. Like, most Christians I know have already gotten it. But, like, most Christians I know are missionaries, mm-hmm. and they had to get it to do their work. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that's it. just goes back to what I said. It's just like, I'm not telling you to do it. Personally, I haven't done it yet. I'm still kind of riding the fence. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm one of the last people that's in my close circle that hasn't gotten it. And, like, that leaves me looking at me in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I was I was in that situation, you know, a month ago. And uh, my personal situation is such that I go to work mm-hmm. and uh, pretty much nowhere else. I live alone. And um, uh, my habit in the early summer, of course, was going out and getting food, you know, um, more regularly. I had to shut that down with a quickness. So, you know, I go in the grocery store, begun to go in the grocery store without a mask. I shut that down, you know. And so then 
there, you know, it's like, okay, there's this, there's, there's things that uh, I have to do mm. in society. Uh, I couldn't avoid it. And um, so I, I had to focus more attention on this vaccine, vaccine thing that I've been putting off and using these other methods of protection and really consider and grapple this stuff, you know. It, it's, uh, it's a challenge. I think it's confusing. It, it's, I, it, is conf it has been confusing for me, you know. It has been very stressful, you know, when you have such a battle in your mind and uh, the, the stress level comes up, which leaves a whole lot less room for patience with other people, you know, have to work really hard but when I can see that it's confusing for everybody you know that opens up uh, a lot more availability for compassion mm -hmm. you know everybody is under stress everybody and it starts to spill over people start to bite each other's heads off and uh, well no wonder the fever pitch yeah yeah absolutely it's just ringing uh, but no wonder you know, everybody has got a battle going on in their mind. We're not meant to uh, be under this high duress and stress and for anxiety such a long for period. a long period of time. Exactly. And people who are and even... yet there's there we have mechanisms inside of us mm -hmm. that that carry that out and deal with it and so on, but we we just never, you know. My comparison is war. The the ten months that I spent in Iraq. Mm -hmm. That's my frame of reference because that was also a long period of exposure to survival instinct and threat of death and all this stuff. No matter if bullets didn't fly on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, but could on Saturday. Saturday mortars came in. You know, Sunday a rocket came in and killed somebody. You know, mm. like two people dead. You know, these are the people that I think about on Memorial Day. That's my frame of reference. I know what it's like to have a long period of exposure to this kind of stuff, but this is much longer than that. You know, you talk to uh, certain certain people in the army had a regular period of say 14 months in combat. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. Well, here we are. What? How many months has it been? I mean, we're 500 March. days plus <laughs> yeah. at this point. You know, we're yeah. So. I would say going on 18, 19 months. It's been a long time. A lengthy exposure, and everybody is getting it. And uh, nobody is used to that. And we're being drove crazy by it. Because yeah. you can't turn the TV on. You can't turn the radio on mm -hmm. without hearing the magic word. Yeah. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you man. Know? And, like, even just, like, when I'm riding around in my work truck and, like, I'm just trying to listen to the radio, and then we'll have, um, I listen to 91.1 a lot, or 96.1, and uh, they do briefings with COVID in the state of Mississippi from time to time throughout their broadcast, and it's gotten to the point now where I hear it, I'm like, oh, I didn't I didn't want to go there today, you know, I, I heard it yesterday, and the day before, and the day before, and hey, can I just have a day without it, yeah. you know? yeah. Relief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't tell you. Uh, I, I mean, I can. Everybody can understand it now. How about you want to go home for more? 
how bad you want this pandemic to end and things to be mm-hmm. just, just calm down. That's go, what it feels to go like. Go back to normal, right? Yeah. Whatever. Do you remember what normal looked like at this point? Yeah. Who, <laughs> who knows? You know. Yeah. That's, we we a long way offshore. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But we're here. You know. Uh, some people aren't. And and I I keep telling myself because I still can't wrap my head around that. I know from combat that a lot of that dealing with it or coming to terms with it came after the fact so I've allowed myself to just delay that you know after the fact when this is all better then the real toll we can deal with that you know Mm -hmm. and and, and come to terms and I really don't think it's even possible to come to terms with it until it's all over I see it in hindsight but I you know and I mean come on will it be more than like a a flu shot will it be a covid shot like i don't know if this is something that will be eradicated i think it might be something that we eventually just live with like we do the flu that it'll be it may be I, i'm that's one yeah. of several questions that i'm really curious to hear from uh professional you know uh, yeah. the, the uh, I, I can't project yeah me either and uh i don't know if they if they can but i i'm curious to hear their position on it you know somebody who's an expert with mm-hmm. pandemics and and uh, uh virology and all that and, i mean uh, like what last pandemic we had was 1918 so right. like good luck getting a hold of that guy yeah you know, he's long gone oh yeah well the the uh, uh available information that i could get a hold of uh, said that uh that kept going for a good 10 years after the end of it by which is meant the cases kept coming up here and there, mm-hmm. but that it didn't ever return in a in a widespread fashion. And I'm hoping that that will be the case with this, you know. But yet, like the flu, uh, you know, people can still get sick from the flu and do, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's huge. <laughs> yeah. But we have a we have a vaccine every year, and you know, I, I just. I stopped short of, of projecting anything beyond that because that's that's another one of those areas where my mind can uh, just go way too far and then suddenly hours have gone by and it doesn't do anything but stress me out, you know, worrying right. about the, the unknown. And that, you know, back, it's, back to the point, right? Fear yeah. of the unknown. Yeah. At some point, I have to let go of that mm-hmm. and accept that I can't know, even though my my the anxious machine in me drives to know ahead of time. But I have to stop and tell myself, you cannot know ahead of time. And I have to do that as a lifestyle. I have to. Well, isn't that like with most choices we make in our life? Mm-hmm. Whether to buy that home or to marry that girl? Uh-huh. <laughs> you, know? you can't know. Yeah. You have to just, you have to try, you have to put one foot in front of the other, you have to roll the dice, Mm -hmm. you know. And you might be wrong. You may be wrong. And sometimes they're going to say that was too risky. Mm -hmm. And in other circumstances, that would have been too risky, but this ain't one of them. Mm -hmm. You're just going to have to roll the dice, buddy. That's it. Yeah. And look around, you know, there's there's lots of people. Man, at at the doctor, uh, there was... uh, I think 18 people in line to get the shot, just lining up. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, how many millions, you know. It's so easy for the, the fear of the unknown to take over and focus on the bad cases, the bad outcomes. Well, look at the good outcomes. There, the, if you put a percentage on it, I, I, I don't even know off the top of my head. I know it's extremely high, the, the, the good outcomes. We're talking like upper 90s, probably well over 99% of people who've gotten the vaccine are A-OK. I mean, how do you want to qualify it? A-OK. They didn't even have a side effect of any kind? Or uh, how about they're alive and kicking and thriving, you know? That's, it's harder to focus on that. But that's a fact. That's a fact. And, and so, you know, when I can get a hold of things like that, well, then I feel encouragement. And I'll tell you one thing. It's a sidetrack here, but turn on the news, they ain't going to be saying much of that. Turn on the TV. They, they want to keep your fear attention locked onto the advertising. Well, that's the whole thing with MSM, and it's really, um, I've, it, it was a hard conversation. Um, you know, I, wouldn't, I, was, I was talking with my dad, and you know, first thing he said when I walked through the door was, "Now I don't want you to get angry." have you considered getting the vaccine? And I was like, I'm not going to get angry with you, but would you do me one favor? Would you stop watching that damn news? Yeah. Because all they're doing is fear-mongering. Yeah. And I was like, it's okay to watch the weather if you want to know what's going on around, get the weather bug out. But I was like, do you not trust me that I am being as cautious as possible because I have too much to lose? And so, like, I'm waiting on more studies and research to come out. I'm not, I guess I am vaccine hesitant. But I was like, it's been okay so far. And we've done well. And I'm going to continue doing the same practices. And when I'm ready, I will get it. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that's the right approach. And to sum up, everybody is fighting this battle in their mind, mm -hmm. in their person. I think it's wise to give everybody extra room to do that. You know? You, and you I understand he's saying that because he loves me. Yeah. But I was like, you got that from that fear mongering stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing, you know. That's another observable fact. There's plenty of data to support it. Mm -hmm. That's the function of the TV. Yeah. You know, it's part of the wheels that make our society it's, go. It's like clickbait on the internet, right? Yeah. You write the most horrific headline and see who clicks on it. Yeah. You know, it's uh, the things that get and hold people's attention. And um, so uh, I think maybe one of the hardest things is is filtering all that out so that you can think clearly. And, and that was the thing that really inspired this conversation. It was like when I when I was going back to the start of the show it's like I saw your post and I was like this has a good sway on me because like, I, I trust JC yeah because I, I know the way that he processes data and I was like he's not a fool I'm glad to and, hear that and he's not political because yeah. and that's something else I'm sick of it's like people politically bashing one another yeah it's like I remember not so long ago when there was another president in office you said you would never get it because he put it out and right when there was an exchange in office, you were pro. So I was like, 
Do I need to go yeah. back and show you something that you wrote six months ago? Right. <laughs> I was like, don't give me that. Yeah, politics is touchy yeah, all by like, itself. Exactly. And I was like, I don't want to play political games with you. That's why I really don't allow it on my show. Right. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's much easier to consider uh, COVID, to consider all of its uh, natural effects, you know, and mm-hmm. risks and to consider the vaccine and uh, the risks that it has, it's much easier to consider that stuff when you can filter out things that are really just political in nature and really just already way too touchy mm-hmm. and really don't have any bearing on Mother Nature. Mother Nature don't care. She's going to do what she wants That's to right. do. That's right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And this is the... the the third podcast I've done with someone who just received their second shot Mm -hmm. the day of. Yeah. Yeah. And you have fared way better than those (laughs) previous. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to, uh, do you feel any kind of fatigue or soreness? No. Uh Cool. Yeah. So far so good. I'm trying to keep my, my the first guy, he's like, I feel like my arm's going to fall off. Yeah. I think that was Moderna, though. I'm not sure. I think well, they may have all gotten Pfizer. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure. Well, part of the unknown is that it ain't all bad, you know. When the dice roll out there, mm-hmm. well, it it's gonna go good or bad, not just bad. Yeah, there's also good out there, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to keep my mind open to that uh, reality. And also to just stay busy, you know, keep my mind occupied. This is a great way to do that. So uh, uh, between that and uh, flying a drone, you know, bedtime comes quick. (laughs) There we go. Let's, uh, happier times, right? I think we've covered enough ground there. Yeah, sure, man. Let's talk about that, man, like with the drone. And uh, you shot some great footage on uh, uh, McGowan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sessoms. Yeah, a that place I have to revisit. Mm-hmm. Hiya, Joe. I hope you're listening. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was cool seeing everything he's doing out there. Uh, they they really make great progress. It's encouraging just to see, you know, that kind of effort and uh, uh, outcome. You know, as it's happening, this is just a good thing to uh, occupy the body. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, beautify the place. It's already just as beautiful as a park out there. I'm telling Calming you. just to go out there and uh, and what what he wants to do for the arts exactly what he's building is not just for the McGowns you know this is a benefit to the local area and beyond and uh, uh, it's exciting to watch it come together you know I'm always so honored when Joe sends me a text and he's like come out here I got somebody you know I want you to meet yeah, cool. I mean you were one of those type of people but, <laughs> uh, you know I'll, I try to if I'm not out of town I take joe up on that because i know he's not messing around because like Mm -hmm. you never know who you're gonna meet out there that's right and um fascinating people who are very artistic Uh very creative yeah and when joe calls you a poser you know it's like uh kind of hurts yeah (laughs) i'm like dang i need to up my effort (laughs) i don't know if i could ever have the same output as he as he's got but uh but it makes you think i mean that's to me that's the point uh, the art that he makes, and Joseph, and um, uh, the the stuff they're building, and and as a just like a unit, mm-hmm. the, the creative engine, it's inspiring, and 
uh, it makes me think. It gets my mind going. When I see the pieces of art that he made, mm -hmm. and I sit and look at them, I mean, it's the reason I bought them. It's because when I sat and looked at them, my mind, mm -hmm, my mind one got of, going. One of Joseph's right there. What's crazy about Joseph, he's an art student at State, by the way, and he's really gotten into uh, making these different... Um, wicked ceramics. Wicked, ceram wicked ceramics, and also he works with clay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I'm right when I walked in, I saw it. And I was like, "That's Joseph McDowell." Yeah, man. <laughs> Just like there's, you know, his father's work. Like when you see Joe's work, it's like that's Joe McGowan. Yeah. <laughs> there's no mistaking that. And I was like, I knew exactly whose head that came from. Mm -hmm. You know. And yeah. uh, I love the cultivation, and I I love what they're doing out there, and like building an artist retreat and allowing people to come out. And like when I meet with uh, artists. Uh, maybe from Birmingham, is, uh, I plugged you. I was like, if you ever want to get away when the project's finished, there's someone I'd like for you to meet. And I'd like for you to go out there with me, and I'd like for you to spend some time out there. And I think it would do a whole lot for you artistically, for anxiety or stress or whatever you're feeling. There's just something about being out there. Yeah, yeah. It just... Mm -hmm. It's a deep breath, you know? Mm -hmm. You can really relax... There's a, there's not a lot going on out there. It's just a good conversation. Yeah. And beautiful stuff to look at. Yeah, and, and having an opportunity once in a while to walk around out there and really uh, take in. I mean, I, I there, there's things that he's told me about that, just that area. Mm -hmm. I, I had no idea. The, and this just, guy's from Maine. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you end up in Sesames, Mississippi? Man, you know? Yeah, they packed up and moved down. <laughs> yeah, I, I was... Uh, well, just the natural history, you know, the ecology, oh, yeah. all that stuff. There's there's oh, a ton it, that's going out. On everything out he does with insects and all that. Right? Yeah. Brilliant, man. I was really... Uh, they went up to Maine this summer and uh, were yeah, posting I, pictures. I saw the photos. And yeah. I saw the some of the stuff he was posting from where he grew up. And I'm like, aha. Well, now... Uh, all those roots uh yeah that makes sense you're giving them personality <laughs> yeah and all this this big you know gigantic trees and uh -huh. and uh just the, the openness of the uh of the land and the water and uh it it, it made uh, suddenly i was like this explains pretty much everything you're from maine you're yeah. from that part of maine yeah and uh uh yeah you know between between that and and uh goodness all the all the natural history out there so then you know whenever that culminates in a piece of art uh i, I saw this red fish and uh what i saw in it was a frenetic nerve you know and uh i immediately connected with that one it spoke to uh the the part of me that's pure anxiety you know mm-hmm but not just that, because it's not just, you know, anxiety is not just, you know, something painful or whatever. It is that, but uh, it's also a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. It's also a creative force. That's true for everybody, you know, the, the thing that drives you. Um, I saw that in, in that red fish, you know. So there's this frenetic energy, but it all culminates and then speaks. And uh, I said, I got to have that one. Is it for sale, you know? So, is hanging on the wall. I have uh, 
three pieces by Joe. Yeah. And the biggest one I own is, uh, oh, it's such a freaky looking piece. And like, if I tried to describe it, it wouldn't do any justice. But when my sister-in-law, and I'm still working on getting everything framed and hung in the studio room I have. What'd she say? And she's like, my son is not allowed in this room. Yeah, and, she was freaked out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and my nephew is nine at this yeah. point, right? <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm like, he's going to see something like that eventually. And I was like, what do you see when you look at it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the question. And she was like, far off, I see like this weird ant-looking thing with wings. And I was like, look closer. Mm-hmm. I was like, because Joe is very descriptive. Yeah. Oh, I see a lot of moving parts. I see a lot of. Oh, there's a lot of detail, and I was like, "Look closer, even closer." And she's like, "Wow!" Yeah. And I was like, "Why would you take my nephew away from this?" Yeah, yeah. Even though it is frightening at first at sight, but when you dig in, look at everything that it shows. Yeah, that's the, the first one I ever got. You know, well, actually, the second one, but it's that way. It's got this element to it, this freaky, like you know, like whoa, dude, like ugh. Yes, yeah, like, psychedelic, or you know, it's kind of frightening, far out, yeah. But uh, upon closer inspection, you know, and the thing is, that for me that was automatic. the The further inspection was just requisite. I, I just what I noticed mm-hmm. after a while is I sat there looking at it for a long time, and seeing what it was pulling out of me. That's and that's what his art. art does. That's art. It makes you think. And uh, I want you to feel kind of put off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you uncomfortable. Yeah. And like, even if you look at it and you have to look away and then like, oh my God, let me look at it again. Yeah, that's the kind of art that's going to deal with you. There you go. Because it makes you come to... uh, You have to fight through all of that shit. That's it. And to get to the good stuff. That's it. You know? And then like... The next time you see that art piece, you never see it the same. Uh-huh. But the next time you see it, you may see something else. There you go. And that is art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is damn beautiful. Beautiful madness. What an example, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, applied to life right now. Yeah. We've got to crawl through all of this turd <laughs> to get to the good stuff. That's it. It's going to be a struggle. And and when you think it's over, well, it's not. there's a little more. Keep crawling, that's you it. know. Keep crawling. And that's my thing. And I don't want to get uh, I don't want to get bogged down here. I I, I do want to bring this up. Is um, I believe there is a incredible amount of mental illness widespread throughout the country. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, during the past year and a half, I've only been to in the southeast. Uh, five states predominantly, uh, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Georgia too, six. And I'm in and out of these cities, and I'm having one-on-one conversations like this, and then sometimes we might go out. And even when I'm driving through these towns that I've never been, and maybe I'll go back, I don't know, but... The way that the people are reacting that I do not know are not reacting normally to what it would be like 500 plus days ago before this. And I'm like, really? 
I don't I don't think that America needs to be medicated, but I think there is a lot of mental illness that is not being dealt with, and I don't think we have enough mental health services to deal with whatever yeah. we're going through with. <laughs> The anxiety and the depression of what this pandemic has brought. Mm -hmm. And granted, some people don't have the finance to give themselves a way out. Uh, to give them a new hobby. And like they're literally stuck in a hell. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to be inventive and I want to be giving people outlets. Uh, and maybe the listening to this is, but... Um, step outside and get you some vitamin D from the sun and exercise um, and try not to get too worked up you're only one person you can't do anything about the whole world and uh, don't try to carry all this weight on your own yeah. and I feel like that's what a lot of people do and, I, and like when I read people's social media posts I believe that's what they try to do Mm -hmm. Is there, they're, they're so fed up and like, not to a point of mental illness, but like they've carried the stress and anxiety for so long they just came to an eruption point. Right. And that's so dangerous. Yeah, it is. And it gets awfully close to a place that, yeah, I don't know if you can come back. Well, I, I think it's most dangerous when you're not really aware that that's the problem, you know. You're not sure why you're feeling this way or that. Don't know who to ask about it. Or even worse, if you're feeling like isolated, you know, ashamed yeah. Yeah. that you're that you're feeling some certain way and uh, not sure how to get through it. Uh, I, it. When this thing all started coming on, I thought about all that. This is going to hit everybody. Mm -hmm. And so many people are not going to see it coming. And... Probably most are not going to understand it until long after the fact, when they've already strung up a lot of difficulty and bad outcomes and situations and so on. And uh, it's it's a normal human reaction, all of it, the depression, the anxiety. This is a normal human reaction to a very abnormal circumstance, and uh, there's no shame whatsoever. And, uh, There's uh, not. you know, help is out there for sure. Uh, one of my early thoughts on it was like, wow, uh, the, the uh, psychological services are going to be up to their ears for probably the next 10 years. And I don't think they are enough. And I, I don't think that people are open enough. And like I told you is uh, I've been around schizophrenia and bipolar mm -hmm. Um most of my life mm -hmm. it's in my family and I know what it looks like and I'm also like once again you know my background I'm not trained in this it's just things I grew up seeing and so I know a mental illness when I see it yeah it's like I'm really good about picking out depression or anxiety or like some of these other things and um I try to be as careful with those people as possible because I don't want to give them another weight to bear. Yeah. And uh, I don't think that we are giving each other enough grace. And I don't think that we're careful. And But the sad part is, I don't think we care. That with this pandemic, it 
polarized us so much. It's us versus them. Yeah. So, so much, which is so ridiculous. I wish that we could all unite. Yeah, it seems unfair, you know, that, that there's so little room left mm-hmm. after the stress to understand each other. Yeah. To You know, to try and grasp at compassion. And yet some people do, you know, there's, there's some, some people... And I hear them when they when they put posts about it or or talk about it, you know, at work, emphasizing compassion. And sometimes I hear that and I'm like, dang, I just I don't have any more patience, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, all over. Yeah. the more effort that I put into this thing, rather than avoiding thinking about, you know, what can I do, and taking action, I guess, the more I've done that the more compassion i feel i can exercise because i've got more room for it and mm-hmm. uh I th- but i think you're right i mean the pressure uh politicizes and divides and us versus them and that uh, is another uh, more of a sociological uh flavor of the natural human response which is something I'm trained in. Like, I'm actually educated in that. Mm-hmm. Like, I can speak on that, and I see it happening, and I'm like, I'm trying to, like, tell everybody, please slow down. Yeah. Because when it comes to a head, it's not good. Right. Yeah, riots, protests. And we've seen kinds. And we've seen Yeah, and it's not like they're unjustified. They, right. They, they have, there's a, there's a reason and purpose, and there's additional fuel behind that. But what I'm going to tell you pressure. is, like, you haven't seen the ugliest of yeah. the ugly. Yeah. And, like, I hope that little booger never shows its head. Yeah. Me too. I've been (laughs) quiet. All these other pandemics, they have this social unrest at the very end. And I'm like, uh, we don't need any more of that. Yeah, we we really do not. (laughs) Yeah. Keep a lid on it. Right. corner of state and down end echoes shouting from your party down the road show up with a bottle of red wine to give you try to steal your eyes Danny and I go burn one while they tell you happy birthday girl we love you yes we do the fire burns the color of your eyes and ignites the corner of state and down it. The next day I drown in time. I see my mama and my daddy, and I tell them a year or two, and I'll be through. Then it's Nashville, Chattanooga Or the mountains, maybe Boise, I don't know It's a thought I have When I watch time sit still and kill My faith on the corner of state and down in
a ghost of my happiness will fade in the night I wake up in the morning hungover and wonder what else could go more wrong Oh, the battle of the mind is a war I can't seem to win Time and time again All right, we are back from break, and uh, got uh, one or two more topics to carry. I wanted to start with this idea of uh, there's an identity crisis in the city, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. Um, it's been 12 years ago from the first time I went to Starville. Used to go to Cowbells. And uh, back during the partying days, and then as an adult coming back to work and really experiencing the city. And as I got to know each neighborhood and the cul-de-sacs and the different areas of Starville, there's an identity crisis. And whether you're in the Cotton District or if you're on Main Street or if you're in these neighborhoods, it's hard to identify who Starkville is. But there's an old saying that I believe it holds true with the art and architecture all throughout that I think really ties us in is keep Starkville strange. And um, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if that helps with <laughs> finding the identity of Starville, but I mean, that's definitely where it's been at for uh, some time. And uh, I, I don't know uh, how to fix it, but I do want to explore it. So, I mean, what do you think? I mean, like, we can go outside like we did out there on the porch was, uh, you know, you bring up examples such as Austin, which is oh, yeah. another place that likes to be weird. Yeah. <laughs> and the big argument is like, why is all this art? Why is it not maroon and white? Do you think that Austin does everything burnt orange and white? They do not. Right. Yeah, when I think of Austin, I don't think of uh, education mm. at all or football. I think or, of art. Yeah. And guitars. <laughs> yeah. Amps, you know, that, that uh, are evidence of uh, the... Uh, musical center that it is among many other things mm -hmm. culture and uh, uh, there, and there, there's also football mm -hmm. that's part of it but it's not welcome to the SEC eventually by the way Texas right on <laughs> <laughs> that's not all there is to it whatsoever it's no. certainly not the first thing I think of when I think of Austin Texas uh, I think uh, around here locally there, well, there's, it, it, maybe it's it's easier to think of Starkville in terms of maroon and white when you're from here or nearby to here, or have been raised a bulldog fan. There's there's lots of that. Uh, maybe a little bit more difficult if you if you haven't 
considered it the other way, I suppose. You know, not to say that somebody has or hasn't, I don't know, but um, sometimes, yeah, you hear that around here. And uh, it can be very MSU-centric. Uh, I think, though, it's a chicken-egg situation or two sides of the same coin because why is Starkville different? Why is Starkville strange, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the presence of MSU. That doesn't mean maroon and white. That means education. That's right. And uh, education, let's say liberal arts, the presence of that, the presence of uh, progressive versus uh, traditional. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's, uh, at the same time, what makes Starkville a leading place in Mississippi and also sort of, as you put it, in having an identity crisis. That's right. Because uh, on one side of the coin, you have um, a fight for this this new idea of what it could be, and then you have the other side who is what it used to be. Our preservation. Preservation. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to say that either is wrong, but I, I believe that is the identity crisis, and I fell in love with the city. Mm-hmm. I've been working here for almost three years, and like I'm a road tide guy, I'm an Alabama fan. I grew up in Bryant Denny, and uh, but I have no qualms with state. Yeah, um, and I, I love state. I love going to Davis Wade. I, I really like going to see uh, Mississippi State when they play Auburn. They usually do it up early in the season. And I, I think that Mississippi State is the gatekeeper uh, for Auburn football, whether they win or lose that game. But, yeah. Um, apart from that is observation. Like an old bandmate, uh, Levi, he came up to Starville about two years ago for a wedding. Never been to Starville. And after the wedding, just kind of explored the town. And he knew I worked here. And he told me, he was like, what the heck is up with Starville, Mississippi? He noticed something. He was like, the architecture is off. The art is off. Uh, it depends on where you are and who you talk to. The people are off. Hmm. And what he means by off is he's like, there's no congeniality or Unifying. Unifying thing that makes Starkville what it is, depending on where you are. Yeah. And I was like, you're absolutely right. And at the time, I hadn't been in the city that long, and that was something that I observed quickly. It's like, when you go to Tuscaloosa, there's no identity crisis. Everyone knows what Tuscaloosa is, what mm-hmm. Tuscaloosa is about. Yeah, or Lexington, Kentucky. True. Mm-hmm. Or Austin, back right. to that example. Yes. Mm-hmm. Balance. And back to your point, just within the state of Mississippi, I believe uh, Starkville to be uh, one of the most fascinating towns in Mississippi or cities, however you want to place it. Uh, I would rival it to Oxford for the liberal arts or education. And I would also rival it with uh, Hattiesburg, um, with Southern Miss. But I spent quite a bit of town in all three of these cities, but there's just something about Starville that is just so con- 
confusing to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I spend so much more time here, and like the more time I spend here, it's like the more I scratch my head. Yeah, funny how that works. In yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, this is another battle in my head, you know, that's been going for a long time. You know, I I, I have uh, spent a lot of time outside of Mississippi in my life and uh, lived on the west coast i have lived for shorter periods on the east coast i have lived in lexington kentucky in fact Mm -hmm. um, and various other places in between and part of that not all of it by any means but a part of that was uh, when i was in the army being stationed at different places and doing training at different Mm -hmm. places Uh, i've been around europe a little bit and um, sometimes I, I have to I have to take uh, Mississippi and Starkville with a grain of salt because uh, some people are extremely partial to home, and uh, some people have not had an opportunity to really get out there. I think there's a lot of that in Starkville because uh, of the college crowd. And I'm not saying the college people haven't traveled by any stretch. I'm just saying that there's a lot of college kids that come to Starkville mm-hmm. from small-town Mississippi. And um, this this is a much bigger city than what they're used to, you know, having grown up in places like, well, whatever, you know, where or just much smaller places there's a lot of that and granted Starkville's not that big of a place right in the grand scheme of things i think that's like one of the you, main when points. you talk about august rolling around when we get our college students we almost double the population exactly. of the city i think that's that that is really kind of the heart of the matter <clears throat> starkville is not a, uh, in the grand scheme of things a large city austin is a much larger city mm-hmm. and there's a whole lot of other stuff going on so the population is not really that influenced by uh, education, right? Uh, the businesses are not really that influenced by the fluctuation, you know, students coming and going. But it is here, mm-hmm. and um, so I mean, we even put up banners. You can see them at the gas stations. Welcome yeah. back, students in maroon and white. And they mean it. They really do because yeah. they know what it means for them. Yeah. Now, granted, is it for beer? Possibly. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> be a large chunk yeah well um aside from the uh the the population of uh, traditional college students there's quite a bit of uh i call it partial to home there is that but there is this other thing too where uh people aren't interested in um other you know they're interested in uh preserving old culture mm-hmm. and uh that's there's nothing wrong with that uh i think the the thing that that can be observed from the outside is uh, you know there's it's like there's a lot of hullabaloo over what you know step outside of mississippi and a lot of that goes away mm-hmm. you know so uh the the sort of struggle that that happens here has has happened here frequently in the past 20 years 
for art-centric activities and businesses to really uh, not not just get off the ground, but to hang around. You know, mm-hmm. we were talking a minute ago about the Serendipity Hippie and that store and the culture that she has brought up in here and uh, as an owner and business person mm-hmm. uh, and has stuck around. And that's remarkable. You know, some of the uh, uh, events, you know, Sunday Funday, right off the top of my head, great, great, great event, series of events. You know, I can't wait for those to come back. What what I want is a whole lot more of that. But the struggle is that there's not uh, really enough, uh, it's not just infrastructure, but uh, we're not Austin. Right. In, in, in the identity crisis, that, that's not one of the options. <laughs> We're not Austin. Yeah. There's there's not a whole lot of... Uh, there is a camp around that. You know what I mean? It's not sizable compared to the rest of the other groups around here. You know, so... Um, although I, it's surviving, that's that's remarkable. And, and I, I want more of that. Thriving, I think, is the target for events, businesses that are art-centric in that way, not just to survive here, but to thrive. And uh, I I think the more that uh, businesses like that and events actually do stick around, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, the more that uh, the general public can appreciate, not just because, you know, you you look and say, oh, that's nice, but because you can experience something new you know that's good and uh uh i don't know quite how to put it um it can improve your life you know greatly and and that's that's really the thing about starville is um and i told you that uh I, I would live in Sesams in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I would live in the outskirts of Starville in a heartbeat. Beautiful. But I, I don't know about living within Starville is personally for uh, someone my age, uh, single, is th- there's not a whole lot of offering right. for me here. Trust me, I know the struggle. Yeah. <laughs> and like, they're really not doing anything about it. And that's another identity crisis is like how do you keep people in that age range here yeah to not make them feel like well i don't really even have a say or i don't even technically belong here i just work here yeah there's no opportunity yeah and and i think housing is is a good angle to look at on that Mm -hmm. because there's so much evidence you know available um when i think about that because i completely agree that there's there's not much when I look around there's not much is being done about it you know it's not like there's a there's a program going on to mm-hmm. retain people who are young professionals that kind of a thing uh, they, all the, on the other side of that coin is the brain drain we've all heard that that's the dominant uh, process most of the people in that category leave here as soon as they can mm-hmm. uh, by the percentages so how do we retain that you know I think that is the question I don't see 
now I, I'm not, you know, completely in the know. I have not had a conversation with my alderman about this. Right. I haven't dug in, but I also have not uh, noticed a whole lot other than, now there are some organizations, you know, I think uh, around the Startwell Area Arts Council, there's that. Uh, there's also, uh, I forget the name of this, this uh, there's a couple of organizations, this is small group things, most of which is centered around business and business owners and so on. It ain't Startwell Strong, is it? Startwell Strong, no, uh-uh. that's a different thing, that's that's a good but I think that's great for the community. Yeah, definitely. It started as a, a community. Thank you, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, community support, you know, survival and uh, uh, a humanitarian thing, and has I think that that as a as a organization and as a center for like collected knowledge is a go to. Now, I mean, it's like a go-to resource. Yeah. Really great. And I love that, like, um, with what I do and as people find out what I do uh, for the city is uh, I love it when people, like, send me a message on social media or call or give me a text about Startle. It's like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I am actually somebody that you can ask. I am in the know when it yeah. comes to that kind of thing. And I would love to tell you about, like, what's going on around Starwell. Like, a lot of times people ask me about jobs or uh, where they should stay or, you know, um, about different businesses, what to support. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love being in that position. But I, I'm in the grind eight hours a day with Starwell. Mm-hmm. I wrestle with the city, with this city daily. Yeah. And... Uh, like I told you, I've, I've fallen in love with the city, but not to a point to where I would live in it. Yeah, there's lots of people that, that feel that way. And uh, I think so many that, are, that don't live here, you know, that's that's the reality. And, yeah. Yeah, this, uh, I, I have what, you know, you hear people say, I have a human, you know. I have a human and she don't live here. She's from here, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh We've talked about this a whole lot, you know. Mississippi really is what we're talking about. And, uh, well, I think that uh, part and parcel, it's really a fact about resources. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a reality. There's supply and demand going on. And uh, then you talk about comparing educational resources for example and uh, Mississippi doesn't stand a chance when it comes to making a sheer comparison a lot of that has to do with tax base and um, I, I understand you know I, I really do um, we, we got problems you know uh, I think that's another factor in this identity crisis uh, some of that's driven by socioeconomic problems mm-hmm. that are uh, kind of unique to here. And um, so with the supply and demand, uh, I think the young professional crowd, you, you have to accept 
some of this, you know, to to uh, live in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there's the draw of not having these problems, you know, of getting out. And that's actually very easy. I, I won't go into detail on how easy that is, but it is remarkably easy to to just leave. So many people do it right off of the bat. So then you get the head scratchers like, I've been here for a while, you know, <laughs> and and we're striving, you know, from the community perspective to support things like the, the arts, you know. They're enriching in mm. every way. It's not just something to look at. It's not just something, you know, some pleasant thing you put on the wall. Uh, they're enriching. So... uh want to support that and have more of it really and um, it is a struggle around here it's not impossible the things that I've seen in the last five years are uh, far and away more progress than I've ever seen in any of my time in Starkville or in Mississippi Mm -hmm. Uh, the things that had had been growing here are uh, persistent I think, and uh, have taken root. And uh, that, you know, up to the start of the pandemic, that has been enough to not not only just to say, okay, well, yes, I've got some personal issues, such as housing, that need an immediate solution. Uh, Back then, I've I've since found a solution, but uh, some of these problems need immediate attention. And... uh, but it's like, okay, that's we're doing good. Let's just keep going. You know, mm-hmm. we'll stay here, and it's enough to keep people like me here, and like you, and like other young professionals and business owners, and uh, to keep it going. It's just like critical mass. You know, we've reached this you momentum. Know, that, that, that's just it. And to take it to the art is like we have some of Joseph's work right here on the, on the kitchen or the coffee table. Mm-hmm. Is uh. You know, I, I know he was responsible for some of the art that was on the bridge when you escaped Main Street to get on University. And um, I'm familiar with the mural. I drive by it every day to go to work. Mm-hmm. That's right by my office. And I hear the different remarks made that it's not maroon and white. And it goes back to, well, who are we? Who who what is who is Starville? Right, right. It's like we're not just a we're not just Mississippi State Bulldogs. We're we're way more than that. Like on Fridays, like tomorrow, I mean it's maroon and white, you know, we're gonna wear maroon, you know, it's that day. Uh we're you know, the the folks collectively throughout the businesses, I mean, we're gonna wear maroon. And I proudly do that. And I'm a road tide guy, but like I can totally get into the festivities of what a Friday in Starville means. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of maroon and white in that context. But if you build your entire identity on two colors, it's a little tough. I think so, too. Because it's, it's you don't really win that much. Well. And now, granted, you just won a national championship in baseball. I'm not taking that from you. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, what do you do in the offseason? Starkville's still here. 
Yeah. What do we do in the summer when the students ain't here? Right. Well, yeah, I can think of a few bulldogs he would uh, be barking at all that. Yeah. Um, more than a few. Uh, oh, I know. A, I know a lot. You know. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be mean. There's the culture, uh, the bulldog culture. You know. I think really this is a good question. Uh, the, my my human. I, I, in fact, I'll ask her because uh, she don't live here. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, she keeps me sane about things like this and uh, pretty much everything else, you know, talk up a storm. And uh, I'm, I'll ask her, as a, from an outside perspective, you know, what does all this look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know some of what she'll say, but, uh, yeah, give it, give it some consideration. Identity crisis, you know. I think that's what it is. Yeah. And I... I haven't given up, and I have no intentions of getting up, giving up, anytime soon. Yeah. But uh, it does worry me. I do scratch my head quite a bit. It's about a it. head scratcher for sure. Yeah. Sometimes it's frustrating. I mean, it's like every loving frustrating. You know, you want to get talking to uh, the, the the problems that you uh, that you face. You know, it's. Uh, I, I won't go into detail because then that's, that's going to get political, I guess, but maybe not. You know, the, the housing, let's just hammer on that one, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the availability, you know. There, sure, there's housing available, right? But uh, the price has been driven up so much. Let's just be honest about it. I'm not paying $300,000 for a garden home. I can. I'm not going to. That's the thing. Period. You know? There is no housing market for young professionals here. No. Period. That's the way it is. There's facts that, that that's actually kind of a hard sell to an outsider. They they'll get on Zillow, you know, and and look at this and look at that. Uh, this house, for example, you know, if you if you this is an old neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You look from the outside, you have no idea that the location is good. You know, the the, the it has old bones. Uh, the inside has been done, it's been redone, it's been brought up to modern specs, you know. Mm-hmm. The neighborhood is old. So, like, if you come in here from any town in the USA and you're looking around driving down the street, guessing house prices, you know, uh, you're going to be off. That's a guarantee. Oh, yeah. You, you don't know the local conditions. But and you'll be off by at least 150000 Yeah, it's that crazy. So, um, no, I'm not paying... I'm not buying a garden home in the first place. I'm not buying a house that was designed to be split up between three or four college kids, and and then the rent is four hundred a month, right? That's cheap. Well, that's sixteen hundred dollars for the homeowner. That's a good investment, right? That I'm not arguing about that, mm-hmm. but that's what's driving it: investment. And uh, uh, meanwhile, the uh, the rest of you know people who want to live here or have a job here or want to continue here. Or people who just want to, who, who has a growing family, and <coughs> you need to get a house with one more room, you know, mm-hmm. out there waiting for years on end. Meanwhile, their kids are growing up, and uh, you know, do they want to pay three hundred and thirty thousand dollars for a garden home? No, I don't think so. You know, do they want to pay half a million for a five-bedroom house? <laughs> no. No way. Uh-uh. And not all of them are, you know, that extreme, but there's plenty of examples that are. Yes, there are. So, uh, 
I mean, because every time I see a house available, I look it up, and I was like, I kind of like the location. I kind of like where it is, and I see the price, and I was like, no, yeah, can yeah. you do it? Yeah. Can you do it? You go to neighboring towns, you know, you start to get some perspective. Mm-hmm. The, the market's there are being affected by it, too, but, uh, you know, you go 100 miles away from here, well, there isn't a similar problem. Anyway, uh, it is... Uh, what we've got to deal with and work with and build on and it's not impossible uh, whatsoever it just takes a lot of extra effort and patience and uh, that is but one there are other problems and whatever i don't want to get hung up whining complaining about problems they're not impossible to solve that's right and uh there's some good things going on here in starkville that uh i'm 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 glad about, you know, stuff that has kept me here in these previous years. Yeah. That's it. And in the meantime, I'm totally down with keeping Starkville strange. Man, yeah. Because that was one of the big straws (laughs) about it. Yeah, where does that come from? Strange Brew Coffee? I don't know if it was Strange Brew. (laughs) I'm not sure. That's what I think of every time. But I'm kind of hoping that the Stark Vegas thing would die. I don't have any issue with that. I kind of think it's a... It's funny. But I was yeah. like, we don't have anything in common with Vegas. Oh, no. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> certainly ridiculous, but it's, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny seeing it up on the... Yeah. I think there, There's a really nice mural on the new bank that was built on Russell Street. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just saw that not long oh, ago. Uh, if you're coming off the back end of Russell, right. off Muldrow. Mm-hmm. Going I, up in the continent. It's got Star Vegas on it, and it's yeah. probably one of the best murals in town. Yeah, man, man you get me... St- off on this tangent about murals, <laughs> murals in the Cotton District, man. That uh, you know the craziest one that. is like that Two Brothers one where that weird guy yeah. shooting the pig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Bird Cap. A bunch of these murals in the in the uh, Cotton District, and that's that's a uh, uh, collaboration between them and the camps. And I, I just I was like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. I yeah. love that dude's work. And uh, there's uh, 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 I know Robert and his wife. They had a house down there. And they had him do a mural on their garage door. I know the mural. Yes, I took my niece by there when they were when she was visiting, mm-hmm. and pointed it out. Pointed several of those murals out. Mm-hmm. We were looking around at him. She was like, "Oh my goodness, that's cool," you know. But it really doesn't fit. But it works. It works great, great. <laughs> I love it. I just want to see more and more of that. Yeah. You know? that's, it's infectious. You know. It really is. So. I mean, I, I understand some people, you know, they, they want to see everything in maroon and white. Uh, well, uh, there's plenty of that here, too, you know. Can it coexist? Absolutely it can coexist. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it should coexist. You, you talk about Austin, it coexists. Yeah, they don't do burn orange on everything. Why not have it all? That's it. There we go. That's just it. Yeah. Well, dude, you ready to break off? And Let's do it. Cool. Well, uh, guys, thank y'all so much for listening. We are out of here. I don't know. We might have some jams on here. I doubt it. We'll play some tracks, so we're out of here. Thank you. Peace out. See you. News and notes. Thank you so much for listening to Porch Talk. If you haven't done so already, I would ask that you would rate and review the show. Share it with your friend. It was a tough episode to do. Um, Some people asked if we were going to do a COVID episode and... I've been saying no for the longest because it gets so political, and don't get me wrong, you know, off the deep end when we're being satirical and 
talking conspiracy. Uh, some people may take it literally. Uh, it's not meant to be taken that way. It's just us having a good time with the time. But this was a very serious episode on uh, vaccines and the, the pandemic. And um, I hope you'll take it with a, a grain of salt. And um, I thought there was some really good advice and uh, data in there to uh, to maybe help any kind of worry or stress that you may be having about it. And I don't think it's a battle that uh, we'll be done with anytime soon. The music that you heard was uh, Stayed and Downin' by Spencer Thomas. And we're going to close out with Choose How to Lose by Night Surf, Startville Native. Peace out.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.